0: That a big belief of me, mine, is that everyone has their own story. A story is largely a combination of the story of their own experience and the story that they tell themselves about themselves. Sometimes because of what we've already talked about our comparative culture, people looking at their differences, you also have the story you tell others about you. Might make it blurrier, might make it clearer depends. But the whole point of this is that we do all have our own story. I, I try to put that out there. I try to give you a lot of different perspectives to share just these differences that we've got. That to me is, is the beauty of storytelling. Like you can say so much without saying it and there's a lot you can learn without learning it.
1: Welcome to the Break the Chains Find Your Flame podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to provide insight and wisdom into all things mental health, to sit down with individuals and talk about their journey, how they've broken free from the chains that bind them, to find their flame, their passions, and purpose. Welcome back to the podcast, listeners. As always, your host, Steve Opolinik with another banger for you today. Our guest today is Clayton Pulsifer. Clayton is an amazing writer and has his debut book coming out tomorrow. And so excited to have you listen to this podcast because we get deep into Clayton's journey about writing, about finding his creative outlets and who he is as a person and how that translates to his writing, to the story of Identity Crisis, and to some of the main characters in the story. We also talk a lot about how cathartic and helpful and therapeutic writing can be, as well as reading, and his goals to portray the creativity and the beauty of humans in his writing in multiple characters, even though it's a sci-fi novel that takes place on multiple worlds. And many characters are different alien races. He really likes to embody the beauty of our true nature into these different characters. So really excited for y'all to take a listen to it today. And uh, the show notes for today will not have the link to buy the book because it it is not live yet. But tomorrow it is live. So if you really like this episode, if you want to read his book... Even if you don't like this episode, but you still want to re- read his book, uh, I want you to go to show notes on the 21st, so on Tuesday, to take a listen to this. Um, to go, go to the link, not take a listen. You're already listening to it. I don't know what I'm talking about. To go to the link for his book so you can pick it up and give it a read and um, see how you connect with it. I thoroughly enjoy talking with Clayton and um, touching base on all things geek and nerdy as we get into our own interests and why sci-fi and fantasy novels are so important, especially to us, but for many young people in general. So without further ado, here's Clayton. Super excited, Clayton, to sit down and talk to you. As you'll the listeners will find out, uh, you have a new book coming out. Um, super excited about it. I was able and fortunate enough to get an ARC copy, an advanced reader car copy of it. And I finished it this weekend and I love it. Uh so we're we're definitely gonna dive into that, but I also think one of the more interesting things about talking to authors is not just their storytelling and their narrative, but also where it comes from. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into that with you. And I know you said you've listened to a couple episodes, so you know what's coming next, but I'm going to do it (laughs) anyway. So Mm Clayton, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your origin story is, whatever version fits uh, for you that you think is important for people?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And I'm super excited to be here. I want to say it's been fun kind of catching up on some of your episodes, getting a a gauge of what y'all do it's it's spectacular and this is i'm really excited to frankly just chat with you about all this um awesome a lot of what you're aiming for is something that's become very top of mind and high priority for me over the last few years which we can probably a lot of us say that right <laughs> the pandemic sort of threw everything into the air <laughs> <laughs> and here we are now just trying to figure out what's next um we're still waiting a lot for of...
1: some of that stuff to land right
0: yeah that's that's actually a really nice way to put it <laughs> Um, and of course, you'll hear some shades of that in my story. Um, so yeah, getting into kind of, as you said, my uh, origin story, it's really, it's, to kind of sum it up, it's, it's more of a story of finding my own personal awareness and then seeking intentionality in my life, and then using that to actually kind of define the space that I want to fill in this world. Um, and, you know, that'll make a lot more sense as we get into it, but... Before we get into the story, actually, I want to say, like, share a little bit just about me fundamentally as a human, um, because it really shapes how all of this happened, right? Um, I don't know if you've done much with, like, say, Enneagrams, things along
1: those lines. I've dabbled Um, in it, and I haven't really um, spent a lot of time in it. It's on my list. mm -hmm. Every year, I create a list of trainings and interests that I'd like to go into the year trying to work on it's definitely up there but I know uh, actually one of the guests we've had on before she's done a lot of work with that and she teaches meditation and mindfulness and and uh, Buddhist thought and so uh, she's heavily into that right now Um, nice but I haven't really dabbled too much beyond the stereotypical kind of social media posts and things of that nature
0: and I admittedly haven't really gotten deep into it I just I don't usually put a ton of stock in these tests that kind of put you in a box right because we're all so distinct that said though i it's always fun to take them and see what the results say and the reason i bring this one up is because when i did the enneagram and saw my results i've like never seen been felt more seen by a line of text (laughs) (laughs) and also kind of like called out um so i very firmly sat into the the nine realm and the quote that's actually on their site it says that Nines are accepting, trusting, and stable. They're usually creative, optimistic, and supportive, but can also be too willing to go along with others to keep the peace. They want everything to go smoothly and be without conflict. Right. So like that, you know, for all the good and the bad really sums a lot of me up quite a bit. Um, and when I look back at my life, those kind of few very simple sentences really define a lot of my journey. You know, I'm, I'm a very laid back, easy to please, and easy entertained person. I like a lot of things. I can find happiness in a lot of circumstances, again, especially if there's no conflict and people around me are are doing well, they're happy. So like with all of that, as I've kind of gone through the different phases of my life, um, because I think it's really interesting to look back at discrete chunks and like, that was definitely a very specific phase that I was going through. Um, As I move from one thing to the next, I don't think I was ever not myself. But until these last three few years, I feel like I was just sort of walking through life and slotting into the places that I either put myself or was put into. You know, I was coasting, right? I, it was like, I was never necessarily like reaching for my full potential. Right. It was more like ambling toward a potential version of what that could be. Um, I don't know if all of that makes sense. I just kind of- No, no,
1: yeah. Well, I think it's a a super important uh, thing to point out because I think so often we, we hit these stages in life. And like you're saying that coasting is, is, Oh, here are these expectations and this is how I kind of move through it. Um, But it is a chunk of your life. And I think sometimes we get lost in that chunk sometimes and feel like, Oh, this is forever, or this is just what the world is. And then we shift through that and we, we open up different possibilities due to different situations that come up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, The me who I was 10 years ago is far different than the me who I am now, which will probably be far, far different than me in 10 years in the future. Right. Um, But no, that makes a a ton of sense of just trying to navigate that.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I wanted to get all that out and then actually get into the story itself. Um, Because like I said, that really kind of guides all of the different pieces of it. Um, So like reaching all the way back to when I was young, I, I was actually raised in the Mormon church. And so I was taught from a very young age that there was a, a correct or an incorrect way to do this or that. And, you know, these days I'm very much on the other end of the spectrum, right? I I see very few things in the world as black and white. Almost everything lives on a continuum. So it's, you know, that's, you want to talk about journey. I've kind of flipped completely other end. Um, but anyway, I could get into that and talk about it for far too long and be <laughs> out of the realm of this podcast. But uh <laughs> Uh, I also won't get into the nitty-gritty of how my religious upbringing impacted me. Um, But what I can say is a lot of how I've kind of grown up and come out the other side, I've really reflected on some of the ways that that upbringing interacted with some of those fundamental things I shared about me. Um, Because really, the the church was super important to my family, still is for a lot of them.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Add that to just like the sheer amount of time I spent at like religious functions for the first 18 years of my life. And I honestly just didn't question much. And I therefore never found a good reason to push back and disturb the peace. It was just how it was in my family and it made everybody happy to be a part of that group. So I was happy enough to slot in and go about all of it. And naturally, of course, this is happening subconsciously, right? I wasn't actively thinking, oh, I'll go to church today because mom will smile. Like that's not going through my mind necessarily, but it's, it's kind of that deeper level, just what's going on in my subconscious. Right. Um, And so that's it. Like, I just kind of moved on through. Right. And it was all confirmed that right when I went left home and went to college, you know, after going to church every Sunday, having that dictate a large portion of my life and kind of who I had become in a lot of ways. I got on my own and I stopped going almost immediately with very little fanfare. Like it wasn't a big <laughs> deal. It just wasn't a priority. And right. Once I didn't have anybody watching, I just kind of phased out. And that just showed to me pretty quickly that, you know, I, I was, frankly, just Mormon because I was born into it. Um, but so, like, this idea of this same concept, like, of not really questioning much and not pushing back on things, it kind of carried into some other areas of my life as well. Um, and a big part of that really defined what eventually became my career path. Uh, I discovered a, a talent that I had for music and, and singing at a fairly young age, actually, like, when I was six. Um, It was a great outlet for my creativity and self-expression very early in my life. And I was talented, so I I leaned pretty hard into it. Why not, right? If you're good at something, why not follow it? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Fast forward and music kind of dominated a lot of my experience through middle school, high school, college. I sang a lot of famous works with a lot of famous conductors in a lot of famous places, Um, you know, here and abroad. Uh, And I even leveraged this passion and skill into that career. Like I was saying, I I decided senior year of high school that I wanted to write choirs. I wanted to teach music. um, And I followed that path. It it led me to a number of roles, both in higher and eventually secondary education. Um, And really, this is another thing. Music came to define me. It pushed me onward to the next thing. And it kept the peace in my life because I saw a fair amount of success in it. And so I rolled with it. You know, I didn't really take that step back. To really reassess and make sure that i was on the right path i just kept on going um then i started my first year teaching public school full-time so this was the uh fall of 2019 okay um, my partner and i had just moved out to salt lake city starting life in a new city and i started my career in a new school um and <laughs> I'll just say that the rigid and very crazy public school schedule essentially just punched me right in the face and it just (laughs) deleted my work-life balance. Um, And like with that, of course, my piece just started to evaporate. Things were super difficult and like I was having trouble hacking it, which is to be expected in your first year teaching full-time. But I think for me, it was kind of bringing to light some of the stuff that I hadn't necessarily taken the time to step back and consider. And then of course, COVID happened. Because remember, I started August 2019. So right as I was starting to get my footing under my underneath myself, the world collapsed. So it's the end of your
1: <laughs> your first year. Yeah.
0: yeah. And as you can imagine, teaching uh, online choir to high school kids in the middle of this stuff was, was an experience. We'll just put it like that. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was just, that semester, that spring semester really breezed by. Like before I knew it, I feel like it was over. And suddenly it was summer, um and naturally, too, you know my my partner was home a lot while I was teaching online, and then she was able to go back to work right when I got off for the summer. So I switched right into a position where I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna be alone a lot <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> over the next month or so. Um And you know, it was that summer. it was summer twenty twenty. I think it's safe to say we were all searching for peace,
1: yeah
0: <laughs> um. So I'll just sum that up, that in my pandemic exile, I searched for my piece and did that by channeling everything I had into writing the first full draft of a story. Um, it was a story that I had started writing about five years before that. Now it's a full length book, the one you already mentioned and you have read. Uh, first in a young adult sci-fi trilogy, launching tomorrow, which is super exciting. Um, and really just finishing that book draft changed everything for me. It uh, it's set my mind sort of something kind of higher for myself. Uh, it made me take a long look back at my career in in singing and education. And what I essentially learned from that uh, is that I had I'd misidentified my passion. And it's like a, it's an interesting thing because it's very closely related, right? It's not necessarily, I had always been like, oh yes, I love music, music drives me forward. For me, it was kind of a higher level um, that the passion I had was just gen- more generally for creating. And music had become the outlet through which I had pursued that. Um, But that summer, I kind of realized that I probably should be leaning in a different direction because there were some other passions I had always had, but maybe not always leaned into super hard. And that's the passion for actual words, language, and even punctuation. And actually, I'll say I'm especially passionate about punctuation. (laughs) I'm a staunch advocate of the Oxford comma. You know, (laughs) the dash is my own personal emotional sport line. You know, it's it's all this great stuff. I was actually that, I was that weird kid, uh, in like high school when we would do like SAT prep questions that are like, Hey, here's a sentence. Can you identify the grammatical error? like, (laughs) Yeah, I'm all about that. Or like, here's a sentence, which of these four vocabulary words fit. And it's like that kind (laughs) of, I always enjoyed that. And I never really, I guess, admitted it. English was just kind of a thing that I had to do, you know? I yeah. saw success in writing, but I didn't necessarily like. Oh, this is actually super fun. Yeah, um, I'm the
1: opposite. Grammar is the bane of my existence. I enjoy <laughs> it, like, figuring out how it works, but it's the bane of it. But then, uh, vocabulary and like finding the right word to fit the the meaning or the mood of the sentence is something I'm really into. I really like wordplay and things of that nature. So.
0: Yeah, because I mean, words are so powerful, right? It's, you can have the same sentence and use, you know, two different words that are, they're basically synonyms, right? They probably mean the same thing out of context, Mm -hmm. but when you add that kind of extra connotation and put them into that context, it can change everything. And it's amazing. And I just, I love that
1: stuff. I get a rush out of finding the right word. (laughs) (laughs) I think we could probably make a whole podcast about that and just talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give me a call if you want to. I'm down for that. Kind <laughs> a of whole different anytime. podcast on grammar and vocabulary. I
0: think <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that, that's kind of what started this redirect, right? It was just finishing this draft, um, and I started to look back at my life, and the signs were very much there. You know, I had a long history in performing, um, and of course, teaching. But I looked back, and I found that. I always found the most joy in those moments and like satisfaction, frankly, in writing and arranging music. And anytime I actually like heard my creations performed, that just magnified it. Like, so like, for example, I was in an acapella group in college and I arranged over like 40 songs for that group, which is wild for me yeah, to I think about. Um, <laughs> but uh, let me tell you, it's an absolute rush when you hear the group, Actually, sing it right for the first time—it's just insane every single time. Um, and you know, I still sometimes—not nearly as much as I used to—but I'll go back to the studio albums that were recorded in my time uh, and listen to the arrangements that I wrote that got onto there. There's, there's 14 of them across those three albums. Oh, wow. um, and it's, it's really great. It's like these are my creations and they're alive, right? And that is where I found so much of my rush. You know, performing, of course, is the whole thing but this is kind of where I really sank in. And, you know, I did have dreams early on of writing something that would actually be put out in the public space. And so this idea of building a book and building a book, eh, building a world that I then write a book (laughs) and it it lives in. Yeah, Yeah. Um, it was just very exciting. And, you know, add this to that, I was lucky enough to, I guess about a year and a half before we moved out to Salt Lake, I found my now uh, life partner and we, you know, she has been wonderful for me. She's been very helpful in my own personal journey, but related to this, like she was one of the first people that consistently called out, like, you're a really good writer. Like, this is a thing, you know, (laughs) and just hearing that from someone you're very close to over and over, you start to notice those patterns and then you you hear it more when other people maybe say it, right? Right. Um, And that encouragement was really big for me. It just helped me break into something that, you know, now is starting to become a part of my identity. You know, music had really identified everything for me. And now it's like, well, really what it's been is creativity and this idea of building something. And I think this is just a new path I can take. so anyway, I'll go back to the summer of 2020 because again, this is when everything changed. I promise the yeah. rest is quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay.
0: Um, but I I leaned in pretty hard right away. You know, I finished that book draft. I was super excited um, and I was like, I'm gonna self-publish this thing and I'm gonna make it happen, um, you know? And so something that kind of helped give me an extra push and when I explain it, actually probably will sound more like i kicking the ass out the door. Um, is that, you know, on the side of all this, it's still that summer. So the state of the education system and classroom teaching, particularly teaching choir, something that was just inherently dangerous at the, you know, at the start of all of this, Mm -hmm. it helped me to quicker than I would have analyze and kind of see that teaching wasn't really the right field for me. It's, I like to say it's as much as obviously the pandemic wasn't a good thing, (laughs) objectively, (laughs) The like end result for me was kind of positive because it made me get really like serious and close with myself and it made me realize some things and make some decisions that probably would have taken me like another five years of stumbling through the classroom to, to figure out. Right. Um, I was just, it was insane. The anxiety and stress. (laughs) I was under those couple of months just leading up to school and I even got an outbreak of shingles, which I would wholeheartedly never recommend it was terrible
1: um but (laughs) any listeners out there who were considering uh, having shingles rethink it
0: mm -hmm. would not recommend for sure um (laughs) anyway so this led all of it came to a head that summer i i quit my job at the start of the school year and just waded into the waters of unemployment during the pandemic um started looking for something different and That was a whole thing because I was curious and I actually literally got on Google and I said, what can you do with the teaching degree other than teach? (laughs) Um, And I found the field of instructional design and I managed to then, you know, I feel very fortunate that quite fairly quickly, I was able to land a position with a a wonderful company named uh, McKinnon Moharn. Mm -hmm. um as an instructional designer project based um and then adding on to all this i was able to impress them early with my writing that i got in a lot of marketing writing projects as well as a lot of editing um and so working with their editors as well as just you know writing my own stuff on the side i was really cranking through it really helped me to commit to this new kind of direction um and maybe most importantly, I got my work-life balance back. <laughs> I was able to finally, like, look at myself as a more whole person and, like, really start to lean into my well-being. And through this, I got into a habit of one way or another. I was writing every day. Um, so fast forward a little while, and, you know, now we're here today. Um I I managed to leverage my role at that company into a full-time position with one of our contractors. So now I work for, or on the content team at Franklin Covey. Uh, So my whole job is essentially to learn about a topic and then design a learning experience that helps people change their behavior and habits to help. better that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Um, Like if you ever heard of like the seven habits of highly effective people, that book and everything like that's that's Franklin Covey, right? I've done a lot of work with that course. Um, Oh,
1: that's, that's very cool.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's really great because I've always loved learning. And so it's nice that I get to learn through my job. (laughs) And then of course that my job is writing heavy. So I'm constantly polishing those skills. And naturally this whole time as I've been doing all of that, I've been bettering myself on my own self-improvement journey as I really lean into writing, which has both, I mean, it's very much helped me
1: on that journey. I guess,
3: uh, yeah,
1: is the way to put it simply. Um, in but... the, in writing is one of those things that, as a creative outlet, I think is is very um, it's a great foil for for being creative and and for working through things and processing things at the same time. But I also think it's like one of those arts that is very hard to do sometimes because you want to create this perfect version of this thing without having mm-hmm. to get edited or without feedback or oh no, this is my baby. I want to put it out there. And you know, the reality of of kind of doing that on your own without having to go back and shift things is is not <laughs> not realistic to to not spend that time going through that, those cycles and things of that nature. Um, yeah. One of my favorite authors had had a quote someone I, I know went to see him and they were he was talking about you know, the first version of a book and he uh, equated it to pottery and how, you know, you do your best with your first version of pottery and then sometimes the instructor comes and just squashes the pottery because it's, it's not good enough. <laughs> and so his, his philosophy was you got to squash 9,000 pots before you get one that, that works well for what you're trying to do. Um, yeah, that is a
0: a beautiful uh not beautiful maybe beautiful is not the right word because it's kind of crushing literally but <laughs> it's a really good way to, to kind of illustrate what it is cuz you really do like with any creative uh, outlet you got to be okay with imperfection mm. and like even when you polish and get to that finished product like for me with writing like yes this book is launching tomorrow and like that's great and it is finished but like is it finished you know like there's always something you can do to make it better yeah. uh it's it's hard because it's it's so subjective there's a lot of objective things in it but it is still subjective um so yeah i, I that's a very valid thing of getting used to the imperfection especially in the early stages there's actually a really great uh neil gaiman quote that i think of a lot um mm-hmm. when he talks about drafting a story he says something along the lines of i'm gonna butcher this so i'm just gonna give you what he is saying yeah no worries uh, I butchered
1: mine so don't don't fair worry enough it.
0: okay um but yeah he essentially says you know in the first draft, write What's happening. And then in the second draft, write it again. Like you knew it was happening all along. And like, that's the kind of thing, right. You just kind of stumble through and you're going to find nuggets of greatness in each piece, you know, in pottery, you might figure out, Oh, you got a really cool technique that got that one little corner, but in the end it still didn't look great. Totally. But you still made progress. Right. And that's, that's what it is. Progress. Um, and that has, you know very much defined because it's obviously been a journey uh this is my first novel and i had to learn quite a bit in working on it and there are some things that very much didn't make the cut yeah <laughs> you know release day draft or release day final is very different from draft one uh um, yeah for sure but that's
1: that's how it goes it's an evolution right that's great i want to jump into the book in, in a minute but before i we haven't connected on this but uh, the, the way I reached out to you is that I saw your sister post about the book on oh, yeah. Facebook. And I don't, I don't know like age difference between you and your sister, but her and I went to school together for a couple of mm-hmm. years at Hanscom uh, yeah. Air Force Base. Are you younger or are you older? I'm younger. So around then I was quite
0: a bit younger. So I was probably only like, you know, three or four at that time. Gotcha.
1: So I was gonna say because you're talking about singing and I was in chorus at that time. I, I was in Hanscom and I was gonna talk about, you know, the uh core choral teacher, but um you were a little bit too young for that.
2: Yes, yeah, old folks
1: fun. over here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love that too, because I, I feel like uh when you look at the arts for younger kids, a lot of it is singing or uh art or creating. And then mm-hmm. as you get older, you, you can write you can write at the age of six too right and just playing around with what works for you and storytelling but i think there's this cool concept of just uh like you were saying your passion is creativity and just finding the ways that really help you express that and so i think that introduction to singing at a young age makes a lot of sense of how you patterned your life and how you went after those things that you really enjoyed and passionate about
0: yeah because you know it's easy to identify a talent like singing like if you, you throw it out there and, oh, you sound pretty good. Maybe you should uh, practice some more. I'm like, okay. But like writing, especially early on, you you have to learn how to do it before right. you can learn like that you're good at it or before you can learn that you enjoy it. Um, you know, it's this kind of whole thing about like learn the rules before you can figure out how to manipulate and potentially break them. <laughs> um,
1: Which good writers do, right? They break that all the time. Um, yeah. So I'm Nina. really I'm really okay. excited sorry sorry didn't mean to mean. Um, I'm really excited to kind of uh, talk about identity crisis and and the trilogy, the Arbiter trilogy um, mm-hmm. and and to get into that because as I was reading it, um, what really stood out for me is that this is a sci-fi book takes place in different planets and situations of that nature. Uh, very sci-fi, and I'm I'm going to try to be really mindful not to have any spoilers <laughs> in our conversation because I don't want to do that to anyone, and I also don't want that to ever happen to me when I'm listening to someone talk about a book. Um, but what really struck home for me was there's a lot of real-world implications, right? Like real-world and in our world implications on uh, some of the themes to what is happening in the story and. Um, some mental health stuff, which I thought was really good. Like one of the main protagonists talks about it being really loud mm-hmm. in his head. And, you know, uh, there's another protagonist that also talks about that too, Adira and Jag. And um I thought that was really a cool way to do it because I think oftentimes we read fantasy or sci-fi novels and there is this reluctant hero mm-hmm. and how their journey into like finding their place in the world or the, the theme of their life. But I don't think often we see protagonists dealing with that mental health aspect of, you know, being overwhelmed, um, directly referencing that. And I, that, that phrasing that you use in the writing of it being too loud is one that I think everyone can kind of connect to. And there's even a fun moment uh later in the book where uh is talking about it being too loud and someone was like I don't hear anything (laughs) it's just (laughs) that juxtaposition of that that phrase and the connotation that it brings up for individual people I thought was really cool and I was wondering if you kind of set out you you said that the writing process was reflective for you and and has parts of the stuff that you've gone through in it I was wondering if you set out to to make that very intentional or just kind of blossomed in in the writing of the characters
0: yeah and really what this comes into is a bit of what I was starting to dip into earlier is that writing this really has been a major piece of my own uh, personal journey. Um, and it, it's kind of exactly what you said. When I started drafting it, you know, I think my goal was just, I've got a story in my head. Let's let's put it on paper. This will be good. And then as I got into that, this was also the stretch of time where I started going to therapy. I started kind of reckoning with myself and my identity. Um, and you see, I mean, this is probably true for any writer, but in this book, especially, you know, there's a piece of me in, in every single character. And so it was, it was a fascinating journey, just writing this while I was improving myself, I'm improving the story kind of alongside. And it, it's really fascinating to, to write. As you said, writing is a really great way to get your thoughts and your ideas down. So, you know, journaling is a very direct way. Like I am here in my body, I'm writing about these things. Writing fiction and kind of approaching some of the things you are going through without necessarily thinking about it. It's its really interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of me in each character, as I said, they struggle with similar things that I've struggled with. And as you go through the story and see how they respond to various things, I, I learned more about my characters in the process of writing this story. And that helped me teach more about myself and the more I did things like go to therapy and worked on myself and learn more about that, it helped me to learn more about my characters. It's like this really interesting and frankly beautiful just cycle. Yeah. Um, and, you know, through the ups and downs of my personal journey, like this book was a constant effort for me. And so you can really see that growth in there. Um, and so you see it, especially in that main character, his kind of thing, like, you talked a little about the the reluctant hero is of course a very big theme in a lot of these uh, books that are based on the hero's journey. Um, And he's not necessarily reluctant in a traditional sense. It's not like a, Oh no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to break norms. It's more like a, I never questioned my identity until it was thrown into question. Right. And now I'm just like, hold the phone. What the hell's going on? And like, that is frankly, a lot of Kind of what happened to me right i as i said i was kind of coasting and i didn't really question a lot of this stuff until it started to get thrown into question and then it's like oh okay i can make a lot of changes right now right and that's you know kind of a high level it is sort of a way he follows um
1: that i think that answered your question no no yeah no i yeah. mean it, it, i think that's very spot on and i it, and i could see that you know as we follow that character's development jack's development and- you know, and the pacing of the book is really fun for that, too, because there is world building, but it's also world building as the characters go through their own experiences with it. Mm-hmm. And um, what, let's say worlds building, I guess, is, is the better way to do it, because it's not just one. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, like most great sci fi books. And, and I think that's really fun because I think you could like sometimes in books, it takes a lot of forefront building so readers can understand the world that the characters are in. And I also think there are and that can be really good if you're setting up a ton of stuff. But I also think sometimes that faster pace, hey, you're gonna this is going to get explained and it's gonna be this journey along the way and you're gonna you're gonna learn with the characters, I think it's also a really fun way to do it because of the pacing of that you don't get bogged down in like, well let me explain everything up front before you can have the fun. You have the fun from from the very beginning, and it continues throughout as Moore's learned learned about that process.
0: Yeah, and you know that was a really fun way for me to to kind of divulge this this world or these worlds, I guess, macro world and micro level worlds, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Because um, it does, you know, it he starts on his own planet just with his brother, and it's literally just the two of them in this big old jungle, and like by the end of it, he's everywhere. <laughs> He's out in the galaxy. And it's like this whole thing of, well, I have to teach readers about how things are like, what are the rules in this world? It's a great way to do it by telling them from the lens of someone who doesn't know them himself. Um, and like, I mean, in the end, how many of us actually know the rules in our world? We're (laughs) all, we're all just stumbling forward, trying to figure out what they are and how they work for us. Um, And you know this it's it's interesting too. this this idea of perspective was fun i I play with uh, a few different points of view um Mm -hmm. as you obviously know in the story and when i first named it identity crisis i was thinking more about that main arc this main character jag and his whole thing like figuring out where he came from um but as i got into it deeper and really started learning more about those other characters i kind of found a similar theme in them you know including Jag three of the four point of view characters struggle with their own identity crisis in a different way. His is more overt and tangible. um, But then theirs, uh, they, they lose parts of themselves um, whether that's to trauma, a flawed belief or just some misaligned coping technique, you know, Mm -hmm. they've lost sight of who they are in a lot of ways that, you know, probably just as much, maybe it's a less visible and tangible sense, but it's still there. Right. Um, and I tried to kind of play into that once I realized that, oh, this is a deeper theme than I realized once I named it.
1: Um, yeah. And he, you can see that the the, the point of view characters are, are really fun to read. And I always like stories that have a, a shift in perspective, because I, I think it enriches one, the narrative and the themes, but also I think the world and the perception of everything that's going on. And it's fun to kind of jump hosts almost to kind of get their perspectives and and Mm -hmm. see uh, the point of view of them. And it's really fun when when you're in Six's point of view too. (laughs) (laughs) He's a super fun character. Him and Bo, that relationship really made me laugh a lot and really enjoyed uh, seeing their interactions together.
0: Yeah, I had a lot of fun, like watching them just have fun, frankly, like just a bunch of rowdy dudes who are like,
1: they're here to get the job done, but they're also just like here to party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, do you ever you ever read any like uh, D&D books or Forgotten Realms books by any chance? I haven't. No. Okay. You're not going to get this reference, but maybe people who are listening might. There's a character named Jar Axel in the Dritz to Erden series by Ari Salvatore, and he's very much that same kind of character. That's who I was envisioning, Bo. Someone who can get serious when it needs to be, can kind of hold their own, and is a formidable match when needed, and shows up for the people they care about, but someone who's uh, there for a good time, and Mm -hmm. constantly flirting with anyone anything whatever (laughs) it is right and that's always a fun read for me to just kind of see that personality bloom and so I was really connecting to Bo's character with that nice I love that yeah Yeah. he's he's a he's a fun dude (laughs) and and so like again without spoiling a lot like there's a lot more I think we could talk about you you know who the big bads are in the book Mm -hmm. who who's on this journey what some of those um things are but I think they're so inherently tied together that I I think it's really interesting and then I like the name obviously of the trilogy because the arbiters are characters that are in the background of the book and Mm -hmm. definitely some mystery there and so I'm really excited to to read more and kind of see those things blossom and you know it seems like you have a decent amount planned out And I'm excited that uh, especially with the epilogue, I think (laughs) I was really stoked to see the epilogue in the book to kind of see, oh, okay, that this is exciting where it's going to go from here.
0: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing, setting up a trilogy. It's you got to tell a good, fun and engaging story. And like. I heard a quote. I don't remember who it was. It, I feel like it was probably Taylor Swift, which is not a surprise how many of the things I say are just come from Taylor Swift at this well, point.
1: Well, I mean, fantastic <laughs> storyteller, right? Yeah, like...
0: exactly. But I think I want to say it was her. And if it's not, I'll give it to her because she's brilliant. But uh, yeah, um, she said something like uh, putting an Easter egg in something that, that kind of leads to what you haven't uh, released yet is really just good planning. Yeah. <laughs> And so she, there's a lot she of does like,
1: that. If it was her, she does that perfectly because yeah. how many Swifties are trying to figure out whose songs are about or make real life connections? Yeah.
0: Uh huh. Or analyze the numbers to figure out when the next album's coming out. Yeah. I feel like this is another thing we could dive into just the psyche of Swifties and what motivates them to try <laughs> and predict the future. But anyway, the <laughs> point of this is there's a lot of like minor moments in there that don't seem like much that like have implications for the next couple. Um, Because we do, like you said, I've got a lot planned out. I've actually already started drafting the next one.
1: Um, Yeah, and I wanted to. I went to your website, and something one of my favorite authors does is is does a a status bar of what they're writing. And I saw the status bars on yours, like ready to launch, and like fifteen percent done. And I think for me, as someone who historically will binge a book and then have to wait like a year or two for that book to. Or well, right. if we're talking about George R. R. Martin or, you know, the name of the wind uh kind of author, we have to wait multiple, multiple years, even decades for some <laughs> to come out. No shame, I get it. Um I just want to know what happens. <laughs> right. Uh it's fun to see that kind of progress update because people can kind of check in and kind of see, you know, oh, okay, cool. This is what they're working on. This is what they're doing.
0: Um cool i'm glad you like that i literally found that widget i was like oh this is a nice visual way to show where i am
1: yeah uh, toss it do, in there and do you know sanderson at all brandon sanderson yeah yeah he does that's who i'm referencing with the okay one the pottery quote and then also the um, draft updates and things of that
0: oh yeah nice yeah i know he's very communicative to his uh, fan base
1: yeah he's super prolific too which i don't know how how, how he <laughs> does it but um very cool um yeah, yeah so i you know i started reading the book it's like okay this is a cool world like i want to know more and then just as i was ready to after they fought a certain mo- monster i was like okay i, I want to know where this goes shifts right which is yeah you know the theme of a lot of fantasy and in, in, uh, sci-fi books so i was really into that and then reading it was really fun to do um and get to know the characters a lot um and I think you you write the characters really well. You can see their own voices coming to a head, even if they have similar backgrounds or similar feels to them. Uh, they're very much their own characters and they evolve and grow in a way that it makes sense the character should. So I want to commend you for that because I think that's a hard part for a lot of authors to do.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate hearing that, frankly. That was a big target between a couple of different draft cycles. It was like, okay, here, I'm really diving into the characterization. Make sure we're actually... You know not just telling the plot but telling how these people are actually interacting and growing with the plot because that changes the plot you know and it's kind of carried into my method has changed between now that i know more what i'm doing like for this next one i've outlined the plot and some you know like here we need to reference this so that it's prepared later on Yeah. but beyond that i just kind of start and it's, okay, where are my characters with what's been happening? And how are they gonna interact with what I've planned? And do they have different ideas of what's going to happen? Um, and just kind of seeing that it's it's a really interesting thing of kind of letting them drive, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I like the ju- juxtaposition of Jag, who is forgiving of his brother a lot when he, <laughs> he makes some <laughs> mistakes. And then how Remy approaches Sixes too when at the beginning and then towards the end when Sixes is just kind of half cocked and like, yeah, let's go. Um, yeah, different changes. And it's cool as she starts to open up about like her own traumas and emotions. You don't go to the opposite version of what that would look like. You see that growth, you know, she's not going to run and give someone a hug right away, even though she's realizing, Oh, I need to open up and find people more. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's smaller actions that are gonna have bigger consequences for her, but it makes sense for where she's at in her journeys. It's really awesome. So I wanna go, uh, there's a lot of fun stuff here, but I wanna be mindful of your time too Mm -hmm. and uh, touch upon a couple of things. One, real quick, there's a character that shows up at the end of the first book. I'm hoping we see more of, (laughs) <laughs> uh, because they are awesome and uh-huh. are badass pilots and really excited to see what they do with Zara uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and that relationship with Bill. But I wanted to reference that it is, is very, you know, very easily and well written. You know, you have a character that goes by the pronouns they. Mm -hmm. and it's not a huge kind of here's this thing it's just written very much like real life is is you know people come into your life and they have different pronouns and you just kind of engage in this way with individuals and respect their pronouns and it's not a huge deal and i think in the writing that really shows because there's never a reference it just shows up and i think that's really a great way to write um inclusive stories without having to you know virtue signal so to speak and yeah so i wanted to point that out that really uh towards them that really shined through for me
0: i appreciate that i actually so i did a sent my book to some beta readers last uh summer and Mm -hmm. one of them a good friend of mine actually called this this thing out she was like you know i love and she also referenced Bo. you mentioned he's he's the guy that will flirt with anything and everything, right? Yeah. So she's like, I love that you've got this guy that's like very poly, and then we need a character who's non-binary. And it's like, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, it just like it just is presented in the flow of the conversation and in the story. It's not like we take a moment to highlight that. And like that is a, a key thing for me. And it kind of sinks into like one of the big reasons why I write, frankly. Um, when I started to look at this as more of a book, more than a book and actually like a business that I'm trying to start here. I did kind of a free write on just why do I write, right? And I kind of distilled that all into just a simple mission statement, which was about, you know, I write to explore new worlds in hopes of learning about and helping others better understand and appreciate ours. And so like, it's the whole thing. I don't know everything, obviously. And and I'm not going to suggest that I even know anything close to what's really going on with other people. Um, I just know that everyone on this planet is different. We all were born in unique circumstances, differing levels of support. You know, we believe different things at differing levels of depth. We struggle and succeed at different things and we're just trying to find our way forward and, and you know, write our own stories the way that we think that we should be written. And like, that's the joy of being human. And that's what I try to kind of convey in this, you know, I'm giving you real people who are different. Yeah, they might be blue because they're an alien, but like <laughs> obviously we're human, and like this person is very human. Um, and it's I, I just try to kind of put that out there. These, everyone's different, and I want to show all these disparate worlds, people, and situations, so that people can kind of help understand and appreciate what we have as a species. You know, right. we we get very trapped in issues we have with how different we are with other people, and you know we see it in a lot of ways. It's, Sometimes it's obvious, like racism, discrimination. Sometimes it's more subtle, like the weird obsession a lot of parents have with wanting their kids to grow up and be exactly like them. <laughs> I played football in high school. You're damn well going to do it too. It's like, <laughs> right. it's the same kind of concept, right? We we have this like kind of inherent discomfort of, of difference. And like, to me, I think that just the breadth of human difference, aside from just being this astoundingly huge thing is one of the most fascinating things about like, why we're here and what this world is about and so i feel like i just responded to that gracious wonderful feedback with like a big soapbox moment but but it's that's really i I think it's
1: i think it's needed though like there's a power in reading and writing that i think allows us to to shift perspectives in a way that maybe we can't in real life interactions or we don't have access to and i think there's been a lot of studies and empathy in general with reading uh you know, fiction books. And, um, you know, for me, it's always been sci-fi and fantasy. So I'm, I'm going to speak to that and the ability to see different perspectives through that kind of writing. Uh, there's been a lot of studies on that and how it's empathy building because of having to put yourself in that character's point of view, or it just happens naturally as you read their, their inner thoughts of a s- same situation. And, you know, in that, I guess I would expound that if you're writing that way and writing well for your your characters, you have, that's probably tenfold of that increase in empathy because you have to connect with, you know, different characters regardless of, you know, who they are just to kind of give their perspective. And I think that's the beauty about writing and reading that I think helps, you know, we as humans grow and connect to each other
0: yeah because we all you know especially as as kids we all got very different levels of like say just to use one example emotional education you know Mm -hmm. mine wasn't super high I'm Mm -hmm. now I'm learning a lot about it these days last couple of years it's been a big thing a lot of growth and like when you read a story and you see yourself or a part of yourself in there whether that's like physically like you know there's something to be said about like Um, folks of certain like races or nationalities seeing their culture represented like on the tv show or something Um, or in this case you know seeing somebody as they work through their loud thoughts and whatever anxiety they might have it helps you just feel i mean sort of hash rehash the word more seen and i think it helps you to understand that okay yeah this is normal you know and it's the same thing with with this this one non binary character you reference, like it's normal that that person is that person, and that's both fine and wonderful. Um, and I yeah. can say they will be along, and I've got some fun things planned
1: for them, of course. Oh, uh, that's awesome! <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's some of the last chapters, and I, I was like, oh, I want to get to know them more. This is the fun interaction that they're having,
0: uh, yeah. That so was, was definitely intentional. Drop in a few more, like we've already met a lot of people, I'm going to drop a few more and maybe tease and, and definitely make you want to come back
1: <laughs> yeah and then you get laurie's character who, who's pretty much like uh this go get them kind of character who who we don't see a ton of but does a lot to kind of help the characters yeah. throughout that so it's very very cool very good um stuff. the last thing before i i go into you know this fake light i always call it the lightning round but it's not quick <laughs> <laughs> so i have to come up with it I think I said that on one podcast too. I have to come up with a different terminology for it, but those are just quick or succinct questions. Is one of the major quotes um that you have throughout this it revolves around, you know, the the first couple of protagonists that we we meet um on their planet. It's the quote, through the winds of change, we stand tall as trees. And I think that comes up several times, especially with Jag, especially when when Jag is dealing with some anxiety and really trying to center uh, himself. And, you know, sometimes we get the whole quote. Sometimes we get that we stand tall as trees, um, which I, it's a great quote. I'm wondering where that came from. And then, you know, if you could speak a little bit to, to the purpose of it.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, actually. So I played around with my, my beta copy had a different quote. And then that was kind of like an add on. I was like, the first quote was kind of dumb and sounded too much like something from Game of Thrones. So I trimmed it down. And the more I got to know it and kind of my final drafting phase, I learned more and more like, oh, this line is actually just like perfect for the entire arc of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, My initial thinking was just, you know, it's a very tribal culture and, you know, they should have some sort of, you know, saying. They're not necessarily religious per se, but they like can have something that keeps them moving forward. and it's this idea that, you know, the winds have changed. We don't know what they look like. We don't know what they're going to do to us, but no matter what happens, you know, it's like the, all the trees around us, we, you know, cause this culture is in this big old jungle. So there's a lot of enormous trees that kind of, they live off of, they live in, they live near. Um, like the big tree beside me, I'm going to, I'm going to stand tall and I'm just going to weather that storm. Um, and it's interesting, I don't get too much of it as we go go along, but in the very beginning, I kind of allude that like, you know, it's as we already talked about a little bit in this interview, it's people, pat words have a lot of power and you can get a lot of different interpretations of it. So even a phrase like, through the winds of change, we stand tall as trees, it can it can mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that my, my protagonist really leans on that he got from his good friend, Adira, who's another character you meet at the very beginning is just this idea that, you don't know what's coming. That's it. You you can't predict it. Sometimes you can't even shape it. All you can do is, you know, manage your response to it. And if you stand tall, you can weather that storm. Um, and it, it's a nice thing to kind of to help you step back and realize that like, A, there's almost always more to it. Um, and B, there's always something on the other side. And you know, that kind of thing can really help you to center and focus in on what's really happening. Um Obviously, for Jag, he it's varying levels of success with that, as he goes. <laughs> sometimes he it's like all of us dealing with anxiety, right? We have these coping techniques and we try one. And in that moment, it just doesn't do anything. Right. And, you know, sometimes you're trapped. You're trapped in your mind a little bit and you have to try something else. Um, But this kind of it's like a mantra, right? A lot of us, if you, we do like a meditation, hmm. it's a similar kind of thing, you know, Uh some of my favorite mantras I've found in meditation for myself have been things like, you know, um, of course I have like four on hand. And now that I'm trying to recall them, I'm blanking, (laughs) uh, stuff that like, you know, I'm exactly where I need to be. Um, you know, the power, the power I need for this is within me. Like it's a lot of that similar stuff. A lot of the things we tell ourselves, I just tried to really center it toward that culture. Um, and there's a very brief moment when we get into the with the mountain tribe as well. They have mm-hmm. their own, right? Um, yeah. very brief moment. They say that their tribal motto is strength and wealth from deep within. It's a very similar concept, right? Yeah. This just idea of being mindful of you know what you really have, uh, what you are really equipped to do given whatever circumstance is coming, and knowing that that comes from you and you can stand up.
1: Awesome. I love that. And it it shines through. I I, I really do. Um, you know, I think I'm going to call this, this episode called, we, we stand tall as trees is going to be the name <laughs> of this episode because I really, I like that. really enjoyed I like that. That yeah, cool. All yeah. right. So thank you for kind of coming on and sharing a little bit about yourself and your story, um, drops tomorrow. Um, so I, I'm going to include like links to all your stuff in the show notes. So I want people to check that out and, you know, reach out and, you know, take a look at, at the book and read it. And, you know, I'm sure Clayton's uh, really open to hearing what you think and interacting with you because I think so much of this is, seems to me part of the process for you is is uh, putting stories out there and seeing how people interpret them and how they relate to them. So I'm really excited that we got to talk about it. But yes, yeah, same. Before, before we get to your coming, lightning oh, round, do you okay, mind if yeah. I
0: do a little more overt plug? Yes, yeah, yeah, do that, do that. Yeah. So just details like, uh, like Steve just said, um, the book does release tomorrow. So February 21st, Um, it's going to be the ebook 99 cents for the whole first week. It's out Um, super cheap. Take a stab at it. Why not? Right. Uh, It'll be on available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. So you can grab it on Amazon. You could also order a paperback there as well. Um, And obviously on this conversation, we've gotten real deep and philosophical. That stuff is obviously in the story because we talked about it but we're not hitting you over the head with it right I wouldn't be a good storyteller if I was doing <laughs> that um, there's a lot of so, fun
1: like space yeah. exploration uh weapons uh, action a, a lot of cool stuff
0: yeah because like one of my favorite things is is this is world building right so I I got to create this whole you know galactic society and these different worlds that kind of interact inside it and Again, like putting the rules to that and then throwing your character's themes and plot points, seeing how it all responds, like it's it's fun. And obviously it's one of the greatest things about sci-fi is how you can just throw something out there as a hypothetical technology and then describe how it hypothetically works. Yeah, and as long as you stay consistent, like we're good, right? <laughs> yeah, that—that's my beef with anything that tries to approach time travel. Right. It's like it's whatever your whatever your interpretation of time travel is, I'm here for it. Just make sure that the rules are straight and that we don't break them, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, one of my favorite experiences ever. I, as you could probably tell, I'm a huge comic book geek too. Yeah, uh, the first uh, Incredible Hulk movie, I went and saw in theaters, the Ang Lee movie, and mm-hmm. there's a part where Hulk is like super leaping. Uh, which he does in the comics all the time, and the person in front of me was like, "Come on, we we're supposed to believe that." And I'm like, "You're watching a movie called The Incredible Hulk of this giant behemoth who's made of gamma particles, can heal, and is green. You have issue with him hopping high into the scare- sky to grab a helicopter?" um so yeah i agree with you as long as it's consistent i can i can get into any kind of concept like that
0: yeah you just got to think not what's realistic for real but what's realistic in the context of what we've defined right um yeah that's that's hilarious and a really good like perfect representation (laughs) (laughs) i still remember it this guy is huge and green you're not that's okay a, with that?
1: The jumping's <laughs> your issue? Like, look at the muscle mass. By the muscles alone, he should be able to jump that high.
0: Every time he transforms, sometimes, somehow his pants are still on. Like, that's another <laughs> thing. Like, <Yeah>. come on.
1: <laughs> so funny. Um, Thank you for doing that, that plug yeah. a little bit more or overtly because um, I think that's fantastic. Um, All right, fake lightning round, you ready? All right, so we're talking about writing so i'm gonna hit you up with some superhero questions and then i'm gonna hit you up with some book questions real quick cool. uh, so if you could have any superpower in the world what would it be and why mm-hmm. and then the second question is what is your true life superpower
0: so the one that i would have this is, is pretty easy answer for me it'd just be teleportation and i don't mm-hmm. mean like the simple like if i can see it i can hop there real fast i'm just like instant transmission, Yeah, (laughs) which I guess that brings me back to my anime days, thinking of uh, Dragon Ball Z. Exactly. (laughs) He just kind of does this, and all of a sudden, he's somewhere else. Um, But, you know, something we didn't get into on this podcast is, like, I, like, live for the outdoors. I I love, you know, hiking, backpacking, climbing, um, anything, as long as I'm outside. And you can probably see that in a lot of my physical descriptions. A lot of them are actually very much... Um, based on places that I've been in this world, which is oh, another I fascinating see. thing, right? Like when you write sci-fi, you can do something like create this world, Pult, and base it entirely off of the place you love that is Moab, Utah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so for me, like it would be great for me to be able to teleport because like we don't have time to travel and I have to like wrestle with this constant juxtaposition of like I live for the outdoors and exploring our natural spaces. But also I just like love being home and yeah. like most of my personal endeavors require a lot of long hours on my computer. So like if I could negotiate that by like, okay, I put in a 12 hour day between my day job and my writing job, I'm going to pop to top of a peak or like to the beach for a hot second and just kind of right. take that in. That would like complete everything.
1: I also help with like a <laughs> mission stuff. You don't have to take a plane.
0: So, That's true
1: too. Cuts yeah. down. cuts down on that. <laughs> and what would you say your true life superpower is
0: yeah so this is first of all a fascinating question and i, I loved i had a couple episodes of yours that i fast forwarded so i was just curious what they would say mm. um and I, I was talking to my partner about it like what should i share and she jokingly suggested she's like well dogs always like you you know i've been in a lot of situations where like someone will be like, Oh, she takes a while to warm up to people or like, Oh, he doesn't like men. And then with a few minutes, their dog is like on me and right? right. everything's fine. Um, so like we laughed about that and then I thought about it for a couple of days and I actually thought it was, is actually more indicative about me and kind of the energy I put off. And I think mm-hmm. that is what my, my superpower really is. You know, there's more to it. It's, I think I bring a very calm, grounded, and welcoming energy. Um, to my interactions, but also just with my presence. You know, I'm a very easy person, as we talked about at the very beginning, everything about <laughs> just trying to constantly keep the peace. Um, yeah. and I can fit in most places and get along with most people. And so, and with that, just people tend to feel comfortable and, and safe, uh, with me. Um, and I, I feel like that is a, is a quality I really value about myself. Um, I do appreciate that you know, the tension of a situation is generally lower than it might be with somebody else. Um Just awesome. like having me there. Um And of course this deepened my acknowledgement of just how much we don't deserve dogs. Cause right they told 100%. me that I have a superpower and like, now I get
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. That spin on it. It makes sense. All right. Now this is going to be a little bit faster because it's about books. Um Favorite sci-fi book. Oh God, favorite sci-fi book. It's such a hard
0: one. I'm on a pretty, I mean, as you could probably guess, I'm on a pretty big like re-kick of Dune right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've read it before and then the new movie came out uh, now, I guess a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Saw it in IMAX and it just like blew my mind. <laughs> and so like revisiting that world and getting deeper into it again has been a lot of fun. Nice. So maybe I'll I'll stick that with like my current favorite. Okay. I don't know if I have like a yeah let's do current, favorite.
1: current favorites yeah
0: um because it, it's just it's crazy you know like there's so much depth to that and there's so much we can learn over yeah, so long true. ago and a lot of it like predicted a lot of societal structures and like there's some stuff we can learn about it
1: today yeah. <laughs> um uh, current favorite fantasy book a little bit different than sci-fi yeah Current
0: favorite fantasy book <clears throat> trying to think of just the last fantasy book i read God. This is really embarrassing that I can't think of a good answer <laughs> no, it's off Okay. Off I, I kind
1: of surprised you with this. So in the future I'll probably send send questions to people. Yeah, you're
0: good. Um, you know, I've I've enjoyed like frankly getting to know this is gonna be like a very <laughs> adjacent, maybe somewhat phoned-in answer that doesn't commit. But one of the cool things about like being an indie author is like something I really need to work on is like, you know, networking with other indie authors is a really important yeah. thing. And I've met a lot of really interesting and people who have, I really dig their worldview and kind of the way they carry themselves. And like, you can tell a lot about the way how someone writes with like an Instagram post as well. And so like, I've got a couple um, writers who I've met who like just, it, it's an interesting thing too, like meeting the person who's doing the thing and then reading the thing that they've done right um versus obviously for you you read the thing and then we talked yeah um so i'm like excited to dive into i actually actually have a few um books on my kindle ready for my next uh, vacation that are in the fantasy realm one's like a more epic fantasy um that's launching in some time the other one's been out for a little while it's not quite as epic but i'm pretty thrilled to just look into some of these indie authors like
1: you know support folks like they support me Okay, that's no. I mean, it, I don't. I don't think it's a, a safe answer. I think it's a hundred percent true, and I, I. think we need to do more of that because I think, yeah. for me, early on in reading sci-fi and fantasy, it was like, oh, who do I know? Let me search them out and read all their stuff. Which, mm-hmm. you know, some of them are really prolific, so it's easy. But um, something I did over the pandemic, my wife and I challenged ourselves to really reach out and and, and try new things and really use the Libby app on our. Our phones and stuff to connect with authors and libraries to um, find different writing styles and different perspectives and I Mm -hmm. I think that's been a really fun thing to explore so I love your answer to that last book related question is what was one of the first books that you read that really kind of just smacked you over the head and you're like wow this is really cool the
0: first time I read the hobbit was pretty pretty formative for me i read it pretty early too i think it was like third or fourth grade
2: yeah
0: um which that one's not nearly as heavy as the lord of the rings which the movie adaptations try really hard to tell you is different but we won't go into that that's (laughs) like probably a three three episode podcast series we could talk about if we really wanted to dig into
1: the uh (laughs) so we got like our our diction dudes (laughs) podcast that we could do diction dudes (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that yeah (laughs) um
0: But yeah, I think that one was such a big thing for me. You know, Tolkien's writing style is so approachable, even though it's like so deep in high sci-fi or not sci-fi, fantasy. Um, And just that whole story, it's the same thing. Like now that I'm actually talking about it, it's similar theme. Like Bilbo doesn't really question what's going on until it's thrown into question and he's tossed on this. And then he's like, okay, I'm going for it. And along the way, he learns a lot about himself and, we made a lot of really awesome and fantastical creatures. Plus, it's yeah. just fun seeing, like, as you can tell from my writing, I love these stories that have casts of characters. Mm-hmm. I, I like a good book, of course, that gets into, like, you know, two or three and really gets deep with them. But yeah. I like seeing so a lot many of characters. Somewhat, yeah, Yeah, people interact. And, like, from the get-go, you meet a hobbit, a wizard, and 13 dwarves. <laughs> and, like, that's fun, you know, having yeah. an ensemble cast. Um,
1: I love yeah. his writing, too, because he was a writer who wasn't afraid to, from what I've read and kind of looked into, wasn't afraid to get feedback and adjust his own perspective based on some some feedback on, you know, mm. uh, stereotyping or things of that nature. So I thought, I think that's really cool to, to kind of yeah. connect to. All right. So last question, as my mic kind of flares up for some reason. Um if you could boil down everything we talked about into like a minute pitch for a listener to to get intrigued on or what you would want the listener to take away from our talk here today, what would that be?
2: Hmm. Love that question.
0: Um, I would say that just that a big belief of me, mine is that everyone has their own story. That story is largely a combination of the story of their own experience and the story that they tell themselves about themselves. Sometimes, because of what we've already talked about our comparative culture, people looking at their differences. You also have the story you tell others about you. Might make it blurrier. Might make it clearer. Depends. But the whole point of this is that we do all have our own story, and like, really, in, in my writing, I I try to put that out there. I try to give you a lot of different perspectives without of course, constantly head hopping and confusing the shit out of you. Um, but I, I try to share just these differences that we've got. And I, I wrap it all in this, you know, there's a lot of action sequences. There's a lot of really cool tech, all this kind of fun stuff. And like that to me is is the beauty of storytelling. Like you can say so much without saying it. And there's a lot you can learn without learning it. Um, And so like, yeah, this is very much like, it's a young adult novel, right? It's about about a guy finding who he is and what he's doing, but there's a lot more going on and it's wrapped in this adventure. So I had a lot of fun building it. I'm having a lot of fun building what's next. I I hope you'll give it a shot. Like I said, only 99 cents for the first week. And hopefully you have fun with it too.
1: Well, thank you, Clay, and it's been an honor to sit with you. Really excited to see what comes uh, from this and how the story continues, because that that's one of my fatal flaws, is I will read or watch anything just to see what happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: probably one of the reasons that I've watched all the Saw movies, even though after the second <laughs> one, I, I was like, I don't really need to, <laughs> but I want to see what happens, you know? Um, so I'm really excited to see where you go with, with all of this stuff.
0: Yeah well thanks for having me on this has been a lot of fun um yeah just really great picking at some of this stuff and getting deep and not so deep questioning the hulk
1: and what it is that makes him real (laughs) not the jumping it's the greenness yeah his pants staying (laughs) on